Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk Nation Radio, where does terrorism come from? We're speaking with Nicholas Sandy Davies, who is a freelance writer, a researcher for Code Pink, and the author of Blood on Our Hands, The American Invasion and Destruction of Iraq. Sandy Davies, welcome back to Talk Nation Radio. Yeah, glad to be on with you, David. So you and Medea Benjamin, who's also been on this program a number of times, uh, have been writing a number of great articles, uh, the latest being called Will Biden's America Stop Creating Terrorists? Uh, what can that possibly mean? I thought the shortcomings of foreigners created terrorists. <laughs> uh, no, not exactly. You know, we we talk in the in in the article about a number of studies that have really, you know, seriously, you know, by actually talking to terrorists and talking to people who joined armed groups and you know countries in Africa and uh, the Middle East, you, you know, have have actually basically figured out why people do join these groups and the, the primary motivation of most of them is actually self-protection <clears throat> either just protecting themselves or their families their communities or even their country in some cases um but you, you know so then who are they actually trying to protect themselves from and lo and behold it is the so-called counter-terrorism forces that this last 20 years of the war on terror has unleashed in all these places. The U.S., on the, the basis of, you know, fighting them there so we don't have to fight them here, as if people from all over the world wanted to invade and attack the United States, which is, of course, you know, <laughs> the furthest thing from the truth. So they, so basically they, um, you know, the the U.S. has unleashed these these forces. Um, often, you know, in the beginning, yes, the U.S. invaded Afghanistan, it invaded Iraq, but you know, as that became incredibly unpopular in America and politically untenable to just keep doing that, um, creating you know, these, these these bloody wars in other countries that, you know, with hundreds of thousands of American troops, some of whom uh, were actually being killed, about 7,000 Americans have been killed in these wars. Um, so r really the Obama administration really, with, with a lot of input from Joe Biden, um, you know, came up with this, this sort of, in, in U.S. political terms, cost-free way of waging war. You know, it, it's really, uh, you know, not so different from what uh, Nixon did when once he came into power, started withdrawing U.S. troops from Vietnam and just bombing the crap out of the place. And, um, and th this is really what they've been doing. Um, you know, the U.S. goes in, it does these training missions to train local counterterrorism forces, um, you know, which is very minimal training, but, um, but it does unleash these forces against their own people in their own country. And, and 
in many places, this is backed up by drone strikes, U.S. drone strikes. Um, you know, the U.S. has built these bases around the world for its drones, you know, from from Niger to Djibouti to, um, you know, all around the Middle East. And, um, but the U.S. then, I mean, in the, in the, in the worst cases, you know, has, has been dropping just hundreds of thousands of bombs. So, so while you know the people that they're dropping the bombs on have have virtually no ability to shoot back at U.S. Uh, warplanes and drones, um, the the devastation on the ground is is, is horrific. Um, after the CIA operation in Syria, you know, to support um, Al Qaeda linked terrorists to overthrow the government of Syria, you know, spawned uh, first the al-Nusra front, but then Islamic State, who, who really took over large amounts of territory in Syria and Iraq. The U.S. launched what, what is really the, the heaviest bombing campaign, at least since the first Gulf War, possibly since Vietnam. They dropped, uh, and, you know, this is all recorded in official Pentagon reports, they dropped close to 120,000 bombs and missiles, an awful lot of them on heavily populated cities like Mosul, the second largest city in Iraq, and Raqqa, a, a city of several hundred thousand people in Syria. And... While, you know, while the, I mean, official reports sort of pretend that, you know, that the U.S. weapons are so accurate that they can sort of kill a terrorist in the middle of a densely packed city, you know, I mean, anyone that stops to think about it for a minute knows that's not true. And and, um, there were um, Iraqi Kurdish intelligence reports that counted 40,000 civilians killed in Mosul, you know, and if you look at the pictures of Mosul, um, you know, that, again, seems actually is, is probably, the, the true number is probably much higher. You know, that was, that was a sort of interim report at a certain point, and they acknowledged that there must also be thousands more bodies buried in all that rubble, which is what they reduced much of the city too. Raqqa, I mean, Patrick Coburn of the Independent newspaper in the UK visited Mosul and Raqqa, you know, after these bombing campaigns were finished. And he described Raqqa as even more totally destroyed than Mosul. So this is one aspect of, of this, you know, that um, is, is just so underreported um, in the U.S. and the West. But the U.S. is, 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 you know, with this way of waging war, dropping hundreds of thousands of bombs. Um, Medea and I wrote a, a, a report, well, it's almost uh, two years ago now, I think, um, really just totaling up the numbers of bombs dropped in all these different campaigns since 2001. Um you know, by the U.S. and its allies. And it came, at that point, it was close to 300,000 bombs and missiles dropped. Um, 
and it's you know it i mean it's continued since then um even though the that very 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 heavy bombing campaign in Iraq and Syria has 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 diminished a great deal but Trump Trump has dropped record numbers of bombs on Afghanistan you know pursuing precisely the so-called leading from behind uh strategy that the Republicans uh you know accused Obama of Sandy, can I ask you for a second uh, about the the studies that we started with? Uh, I'll put a link up to your article on TalkNationRadio.org, but you, you, you link to three different studies, one from the Center for Civilians in Conflict uh, that, as you say, shows that counterterrorism is the main driver of terrorism, uh, another one that finds 70% of... Uh, of fighters joining armed groups in in this is a study in Africa are, are driven by the killing or detention of a family member by so-called counterterrorism forces. Uh, and you cite another report uh, from Nick Terse uh, again from Africa finding uh, that counterterrorism in Burkina Faso has driven. An explosion of terrorism. There's a there, there's another study that I've uh, been citing for a long time that found 95 percent of suicide terrorist attacks uh, in the world uh, are driven by opposition to the occupation of uh, of the terrorists' home country. D- does that does that fit with uh, with the other ones you've been looking at? Absolutely. It's it's all part of the same uh, pattern, you know. I mean, I was actually born in Sri Lanka, and, um, you know, that is really where um, suicide terror, you know, suicide uh, terrorism really began with the, the Tamil Tigers. You know, they were fighting for the independence of their region in the north of Sri Lanka. And, you know, te- I mean, Suicide bombing was virtually unknown until then, but they developed this tactic out of, you know, absolute desperation at, at the um, repression that, you know, their, their community was suffering from the majority uh, Sinhalese population there. And um, and then, of course, this, this was picked up by, um, you know, by uh, Al-Qaeda, you know, September the 11th, and... Uh, and then once the U.S. invaded Iraq, um, you know, it became a yeah. very common occurrence there, too. We, we have numerous, uh, you know, anecdotal comments, statements, from, usually from just retired officials, uh, saying that what they've been doing is counterproductive, or at least part, and it, typically it's, it's air wars, it's drone wars, uh, is counterproductive, is generating more terrorists than it's killing. And we have all these studies that can be cited that are, you know, systematically finding that result. Uh, why... Why must we continue to call it a Department of Defense? Why is it not a Department of Self-Endangerment? Um, well, of course, it, it really is. I mean, it's a, um, I mean, it's, it's actually a Department of of Offense, a Department of Attack, a Department of of um, Imperialism. Um, you know, and in fact, I mean, what what this has sort of deteriorated into now is it is it spreads further and wider, you know, is 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 actually quite um, 
you know, so it's not so different, really, to the to the um, uh, you know British imperial um, policing by massacre, um, you know, in places like India and Africa in the in the nineteenth century, um, and I, I mean Winston Churchill of all people. Um, <laughs> Uh, it was the assistant colonial secretary at the beginning of the 20th century. And he visited Kenya, which was kind of a new, is where my mother was born, and it's, it was kind of a new British colony at that point. And Winston Churchill, you know, the great warmonger, uh, wrote in a report about it that, uh, you know, he said, I just, I, I really fail to understand uh, why it is necessary uh, to keep killing so many people. And, and this was as the British were, um, you know, essentially clearing the, the area around what is now Nairobi so that uh, British and European settlers could move in and uh, grow crops for export there, you know, and have a, have a nice, little, nice little colony. And... Um, so this, I mean, but I mean, there was at least some sort of rational basis to that. But I mean, Britain came to the conclusion by the mid 20th century that, you know, that, that it, it made no sense to keep occupying and, and trying to rule all these, these, these uh, other societies all around the world. And um, so by, you know, by, um, you know, by the time I was starting to grow up in 1960, I mean, they just, they just granted independence to, to, you know, this entire empire that they had ruled all over the world. And um, that was a rational, that was a rational choice. Um, you know, to some extent, they, they had a sort of coverage by the fact that in many ways the U.S. took over that imperial role. Um, the U.S. does not have another rising power that it, it, it is ready to, to sort of hand over these, this sort of international policing by aerial bombardment to. Um, and um, so, you know, but the U.S. is now trying to, uh, you know, it's, 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 I mean, all the people in Washington are not completely stupid. I mean, yeah, they realize that this is just spreading violence and chaos uh, far and wide, even though, you know, most of it is a long way from from the U.S. and a long way from, really impacting the lives of Americans. Um, and yet it, it's complete, it is undermining um, the U.S.'s imperial role in the world um, because, you know, who, who, wants to be, who wants to be part of this? Um, <laughs> well, a lot of candidates for Congress, a, a lot of nominees for for cabinets, uh, a lot of uh, candidates for president. Um, I mean, what 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 do you think, if anything, is likely 
uh, to change in the coming months in Washington. I mean, you talk about the role of the the Obama-Biden years, uh, and of course they moved from land occupations toward aerial wars, bombing wars, drone wars, where nobody gets hurt, nobody gets killed, you know, if you don't count most of humanity as anybody. Uh, But Trump just continued that very same trend uh, further, right? Uh, So uh, for Biden to come in and continue it further yet again uh, is is sort of in line with Trump policies now. Uh, I mean, is is that still Biden's philosophy, so-called counter-terrorism rather than counter-insurgency, which ironically enough seems to generate more terrorism? Well, it... It remains to be seen. It really does, because, you know, no one has ever put him on the spot and forced him to talk about any of this. Um, you know, how do you feel, Mr. Biden, about uh, dropping hundreds of thousands of bombs on, you know, cities of uh, in, in the Middle East? Uh, you know, no, nobody ever asks him. So, um, you Do you know, think they will? In, in a sense, in a sense, when you look at, Africa, I mean, it is relatively low cost for for the United States in terms of money and in terms of lives. Um, But, um, you know, is Biden going to just sort of carry on what what is happening in these countries in West Africa, where, as as we wrote in in the article... um, even you know the reported minimum confirmed casualties, which may be a fraction of of the of the real total, um, killed about four thousand people. You know this is being increasing year over year over year. Killed about four thousand people in uh, Niger and Mali and Burkina Faso. Um, that. Presumably, yeah, in 2020. Um, so, if yeah, is he gonna, just going to keep doing this? You know, France is involved. Also, these the former colonial power in that part of the world. They're they're involved in all that violence too. Um, and um, but but of course, this keeps spreading. You know, they 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 got they they they've severely diminished. Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. You know, in the meantime, Islamic State sort of um, joined up with the Moro uh, Liberation Front uh, in the Philippines, took over a swathe of the Philippines. That's now being diminished. Two, they've now taken over a whole swathe of northern Mozambique. Um, You know, who knew? Islamic State in Mozambique. But, But that is that is uh, a reality now. Um, so is is Biden going to be content to sort of keep um, waging this this sort of whack a mole kind of uh, kind of global war, chasing these groups and people, you know, from country to country and. Uh, um, remains to be seen. I mean, since Obama, they have been trying to transition back to the Cold War. You know, hey, you know, we were so happy to be 
have the Cold War over with, but after 20 years of, of justifying the military-industrial complex as a war against terrorism, um, obviously um, people in high places have, have actually now developed a sort of romanticism for the, for the Cold War. And, uh, uh, you know, for the last 10 years, really, have been trying to um, uh, get back to what they now call GPC, Great Power Competition. Um, you know, about half the U.S. overseas bases now are essentially in what John Pilger said, uh, uh, a retired U.S. official described as a noose around China. Um, you know, but... Uh, well, I have to I assume, mean, Sandy, that it's that it that you can sell more weapons more consistently long term if your enemy is China or Russia than if your enemy is scattered groups of of resistors that are called terrorists. I, I have to assume that there's that there's more profit. So I don't know if the interest is so much in in ending the wars and having peace. I mean, clearly it's risking much larger wars, uh, but. Uh, I, I also wonder if if we can't tell a little something about what Biden plans from his nominees. I, I mean, we had a we had an election where the you know the majority of what the U.S. government does was hardly mentioned, uh, and there was no foreign policy task force, no foreign policy webpage, etc. But Biden's top priority once the election was over, uh, above every other policy area and agency and department, was to start nominating uh, all of these warmongers and putting out names of warmongers and war profiteers uh, for high office. Uh, can, we, can we tell anything from that? And is there any possibility that some of them, including in their confirmation hearings, will get asked questions that Biden has never been asked? Well, that, that is possible. I mean, which senators are going to really put them on the spot on that stuff? I mean, we've heard people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the House really confront people sometimes on, um, you know, the reality of their, their policies, but um, that doesn't happen very much in Senate confirmation hearings. So, that seems doubtful. Um, yeah, the people, the people he's nominated are very, very troubling. Um, there's one bright spot in it all, which is that a, a lot of us really mobilized to stop the nomination of Michelle Flournoy, um, who, who was proposing uh, developing a whole new generation of weapons to, that could sink China's entire merchant fleet in three days in, at the onset of a war with China, you know, just a sort of completely unprecedented war crime. Um, and, and she seemed to be someone who, who Biden really didn't see eye to eye with when they both worked in the Obama administration. Um, and, you know, essentially uh, where where he certainly has, you know, was not gung-ho outwardly supporting the invasion of Libya. She was. And when it came to escalation in Afghanistan, she supported it. And, and Obama and uh, Biden, by all accounts, was, was counseling uh, 
Obama not to do that. So, you know, it's it, it's very hard to tell. But I think really, I mean, the, the the main thing is that all of us in this country who care about war and peace and are and realize that you know for the U.S. to to maintain this this global empire of bases and this global military occupation and 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 this 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 kind of, this increasingly militarized imperialism really because I mean the U.S. At one point, was more of an economic empire. As its economic empire has 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 basically collapsed, um, you know, it, it, it's 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 really focused disproportionately on on the military, or you know, as a as if that can be a strategy to salvage it, its economic position in the world which, you know, has never really worked for any empire in the past um, and will not work this time by, you know, by, I think, by objective um, reasoning. Right. Um, so, but, so, you know, where will Biden, will, will there be significant changes in the Biden policy compared to Obama? Uh, it remains to be seen, but... I mean, we, we, you know, the the peace movement did flex its muscles over Flournoy, and you know, we we do have power when we can rally enough people to um, to stand for peace. Indeed, and it's going to be up to us to do that. And if people knew we had that power, we would have a thousand times as many people. Uh, I, I think, I think the best trend of the past years uh, is Congress actually trying to end a war, particularly the war on Yemen, even though that was vetoed by the president. Uh, and the worst trend, it seems to me, is the Congress trying to prevent to deny presidents the right to end wars. Trump cannot withdraw troops from Afghanistan, cannot withdraw troops even from South Korea or Germany. Uh, do you do, do you see what do you like me see these as as the most uh, promising and the most dangerous two uh, developments? Well, I I mean that yes, that would that is the most promising development. Although you know, I mean, Yemen really should have been the low hanging fruit on that because you know at least in in US political rhetoric, you know, it's called the Saudi war, even though, you know, the Saudis probably never could never have done it without, you know, um unconditional US support. Um but I th I think perhaps even more disturbing, you know, in the light of this 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 whole movement towards to go back to the Cold War and to do great power competition, I think is the the absolute rubber stamp that Congress still is for military spending, for for record military spending. Um, Indeed, you know it has not really gone down. I mean, we have thirty seconds. You know, Sandy. Obama spent as much as Bush on the military, and Trump has now spent as much as Obama. And um, you know, there are fluctuations within that, but um, but. Um, you know, I the, the 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 biggest danger is the danger of war with China and or Russia, created by this massive arms race and build up 
that 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 Biden and Congress and the entire uh, U.S. establishment seem seem prepared to launch themselves on. We have to leave it on that note. That's our job to get out there and prevent that danger. We've been speaking with Nicholas Sandy Davies, who is a freelance writer, a researcher for Code Pink, and the author of a terrific book called Blood on Our Hands, The American Invasion and Destruction of Iraq. Sandy, thank you for coming on Talk Nation Radio. Thank you, David. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talknationradio.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is supported by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.